Sean, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. So we're here to talk about the uh, million dollar uh, gift to the softball program today. That is exactly what we're here to talk about. I'm I know that- it's like such great news. And then, uh, man, just <sighs> only in <sighs> only in the middle of May, where you can you get a gift like this? Yeah, it's for, a. For- it's a big deal. I mean, honestly, and I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it is a huge deal. And it's a great deal for me because I am very ready to not sit outside. That's like their media row is not in the press box. It's out in the concourse and it gets very hot in the month of May. And I'm a larger gentleman. Sweat, mm-hmm. sweat happens um, a lot easier for someone me too. of me my too. size. Me too. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to get that air conditioned press box built. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll pick up a hammer. I'll do some construction work. <laughs> I'll gladly partake. You, you'll be a grip, like on a movie set. You'll move <laughs> things around or whatever. And uh, I, I got my buddy Eric Lopez, who does UCF softball play by play. Like, there's a chance they may be coming up next week, depending on how things shake out in regionals. And so we'll see how that turns out but uh, oh oh, he by the way he was asking me about places to eat in norman places you know i figured i told him there's one person you have to ask it's joe bettner joe like if there's anybody on my twitter feed who talks about places to eat in the greater okc or norman area it's you so uh definitely you are definitely the the person to hit up on that well we are not just here to talk about Norman eateries and OU softball gifts, although great for great for the program and great for Oklahoma softball. Um, but Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, in one of the most bizarre—it's not bizarre by college football standards, but it's just insane that it's happening this way. Okay, real quick, is this more insane than Mike Gundy 07? I'm a man. I'm forty. Yes. And I say that because I think that Gundy being a young coach was just kind of acting out of passion and probably in that era, I would assume, you know, 2007 YouTube has been around for a little bit, not too long. You were still five, you were still five starring videos and like put it in the side panel. Yeah. Yeah. But at that time, you're probably as a coach, not conditioned to think about who's going to hear this. Where's this going to go? And obviously sports center existed, local TV news existed, but when you are a college football coach in 2022, anything and everything you say will be tweeted out by 10 different beat reporters all at once. Anytime you say it. And Nick Saban woke up Wednesday and chose violence. (laughs) He had a fundraiser event with like, and here's the other thing that I think it's like the caravans that Bob would go on and stuff like that. It's nothing new. And here's the thing, those caravan things. And you know, I think that Lincoln Riley was pretty buttoned up, but he would throw some shade. Sometimes I specifically remember 2019, he was asked about what big 12 team concerns him the most going into 2019. Uh, He said, like, I don't really lose sleep over any big 12 teams. And it created a stir that comments like that generally, you know, another one I I thought of like 2013 off season, uh, Bob talked about sec bias and it got back to everybody. And luckily for Bob at the end of that season, he got to beat Alabama with the sugar bowl. So he got the last laugh on that. But I I think these coaches, when they're in these environments, you're not around. I mean, the press is there, but they're not like it's not a 
not a press conference. You're not at a lectern. You're not, you know, talking to 10 to 15 reporters in a room. You're just talking to people that want to give you money for your football program to be successful. You're a little looser. Your guard's a little bit more down. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Nick Saban Wednesday night at a caravan type, you know, fundraising type event, uh, you know, to hopefully add to the NIL success that is Alabama football, went on a very detailed rant. And when I say detailed, he named, well, he didn't name drop, but like he went on it for about 10 minutes. I think he didn't name drop anyone, but it was, it was detailed enough that we knew exactly who he was talking about. Um, he eventually it, said A&M. Yeah. He eventually said A&M, but like the, uh, the Jackson state player, the number one recruit in the 2021 class who uh, Saban alleges you know, is getting a million to go play for Deion Sanders, which could be true, could not be true. I, I, I mean, but it's totally normal that the number one overall player would play at Jackson State. I mean, come on. It's totally normal they would go there. Hey, man, and I say this as just someone that, like, you know, I, my priorities are different probably than most people, but, like, go hang out with Deion Sanders for a few You know, no pressure. Like, then go to the NFL. That sounds great. That sounds great to me. But obviously a strange occurrence that Jackson state landed the number one prospect in the 2021 recruiting class. But then he went on to name Texas A&M, which as we all know, historically not a great program. They're coming off a pretty mediocre season yet. They signed the number one recruiting class in the country. This obviously raises eyebrows. I don't think that Nick Saban is breaking news or drawing any you know, unfair conclusions about how did Texas A&M turn this around? NIL comes, you know, comes into play last summer and here the Aggies are, you know, a year later, they're in the number one recruiting class. And, you know, Jimbo Fisher has been ever since, you know, December, Jimbo Fisher has been on a campaign trying to tell people, you know, I, we don't cheat. We did it the right way. We're doing this correctly. Nick Saban <laughs> thinks otherwise. And he said as much just, in terms of, you know, we have to figure this out. It's not sustainable. Um, I did love the comment he made about, you know, his, you know, his only 25 Alabama players had NIL deals and it amounted to like $3 million. And it was a very different tone from, you know, last year where he was pumping up how much, mo- or not how much money. Uh, he didn't specify like details. Bryce Young's making yeah. lots of money. But yeah, Bryce, like he was touting Bryce Young. He was touting the NIL success. And I get that it's different. And people are just like, well, it's, it's very different because Bryce Young's already on campus and Texas A&M, they're bringing in players. Um, I understand that. It's still strange and it's kind of tone deaf. Um, but this was, I mean, Wednesday, I'm, I'm assuming Wednesday night, you know, I'm sure you're, you're watching Warriors Mavs or what have you. But I, like, I was falling asleep to hockey, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, that, okay. That, that, that shootout with Edmonton and Calgary, I was actually watching. It was fantastic. Okay. Well, this happens, and it's one of those things that I, I love. You know, we, you know, having you on today, it, it's nostalgic for me because anytime something big in college football happens, me and you talk on a podcast. <laughs> and this was a monumental event. And people might think that's a little bit exaggerated, but we are going to be talking about this. For year. It's going to be memed for years. Podcast intros are going to have little sound bites from it. Like it's it's going to be a thing. It's going to be I'm a man, I'm 40 type scenario. But I think it's more elevated as we've already discussed. I, I think that yesterday, because I was a, I was doing a bunch of things and for fun during the offseason, I like to throw on an old college football game while I'm working. And one of my favorite decades 
just to watch old games is the 90s. Like, OU wasn't very good. So it's, e- it's a weird, it's easy for me to watch different things from that decade because I kind of grew up in that decade where I got to see more games. My favorite, one of my favorite games to go back and watch is 97 Florida, Florida State, you know, Spurrier and Bowden, like the epic, that was the biggest rivalry of the decade. And you, I, I think back to Spurrier and all the little hot shots he took at Philip Fulmer and maybe Bobby Bowden. And it's like, they're just tiny little digs here and there. I don't think any of them if you combine them all equate to what we just saw today because he was like Spurrier was playful just trying to get under your skin a little bit Saban did what he did the other night last night and just basically and I need to get this out of the way I'm seeing a lot of comments on social media is like Nick didn't actually say that you know Jimbo and AM were cheating okay when you in the same when you sit down and you're talking, you say, look, we do things the right way at Alabama and they bought all their players. You're basically accusing them of like cheating. So I want to get that out of the way. This whole, he didn't say they were cheating. Yes, he did. He basically in a roundabout way insinuated they were cheating. Now I have no problem with A&M, you know, skirting the rules or if they can like, listen, this is an old timey Southwest conference institution. Of course, they're going to use every dirty trick in the book. What do you think Texas is? But like, remember what Texas did? Like, we have started an NIL collective to support offensive linemen because offensive linemen are overlooked because they are so desperate to get offensive linemen. We will give you 50 grand a pop if you please. We need an offensive line. And guess what? They they got seven blue chip prospects, including a couple guys we were going after, we being Oklahoma. So I don't want to hear about, about this whole like it's like SMU did did stuff on the table like they made a documentary like everyone is so shocked that like uh, oh pe- uh, oh my god boosters or this are cheating and I just like w- whenever I hear people complain oh saying everybody cheats is like lame it's like yes everybody cheats everybody has boosters who go above and beyond and try to like get a one up on each other that's been the sport for a hundred years. So at the end of the day, it's like, I, again, like AM, do what you got to do. Like more props to you. You've got a monster class. Can you keep doing it year in and year out? We'll see. But I, it's just w- watching just, it's like we can retire the Spider-Man pointing meme now. You don't need that anymore. You just need Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and you're good to go. I I have I do have a working theory just kind of going back to I think that Saban's guard was down a little bit in this scenario. I mean, there was a lot of vitriol in his voice, which is why, like you bring up the Spurrier thing. You know, Lincoln Riley was kind of that way too. Like he he will take shots. He'll do it in a very nonchalant way, though. He's just kind of poking at you. But Saban, there was some anger in his voice. Part of me, my theory, I don't know if it's true or not. Alabama's NIL, the state, like the, the NIL policies they pass, like the state of Alabama mm-hmm. are a lot more restrictive than other states. And I wonder if Saban was like, you know what, this might cause some backlash, but I really need to get like the state of Alabama to fix this because I'm not, I'm not playing catch up with the rest of the SEC. I've built too much to get to this point and see Texas A&M of all programs surpass me because we can't, you know, shell out money because of the rules that we put in place. I need Mark Ingram and Julio Jones <laughs> to go on more free boat rides. But 
it is an incredible, incredible moment in college football, just kind of lore. I mean, it's a, it's a top five, like off season day in college football, like over the last decade, very easily, maybe, maybe longer than that. Uh, but the, it just, it kept getting better. Like I kept tweeting last night. Like I was like, this just keeps getting better and better. And then Jimbo Fisher on, the on the day count. of our Lord, what is it? May 19th, <laughs> May 19th, spring practices are well over. Jimbo Fisher calls a press conference to address Nick Saban's and all, and all you're hoping for, please tell me you stream this, please tell me. <laughs> and of course they do. And I'm like, I literally went and I, I I have like I made some barbecue sandwiches, got some chips. I literally like got it ready. I was like, I am so ready for this. If and it wasn't at ten a.m., would you have been like pot or cracking? Well, it was eleven. It, it was eleven oh, for me. Yeah. So it's so it's. I was like, okay, it, it's, it's time. I get I get up early lunch at eleven. That's cool. <laughs> uh, so and I'm just sitting back and you know when you go to a really funny movie, like maybe like a. a God, uh, the hangover, the first hangover, like that's a movie you go to DC for the first time. And there's some scenes where you are howling. Well, when he just started going there, I started howling at like, I, I don't know which one, like when he referred to him as God and the czar and just talk about him, he needs to be slapped upside the head. It was just, and the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. It was that, that type of a moment for me. And I'm like, th- this is going to carry us through June. And, and SEC media days are only two months away. That's the beauty part of it all. Do you think that, like, there were some athletic departments who were like, hey, we have some really bad news. Let's get it out right now. <laughs> like, let's drop it right now. I mean, if you're Jordan Addison, now is not the time to announce your decision between Texas and USC. So, because you will not get any attention today. So you might you might as well wait, wait till tomorrow at the very earliest. Now, for all of the tampering allegations pointed at Southern Cal, maybe Lincoln Riley was like, hey, uh, is that edit in your DMs? Uh, you can go ahead and commit if you want. Like, I'm good with it. Uh, but... That was, it was, you know, 10 a.m., you know, God's time uh, here in Oklahoma, but it was, uh, it was phenomenal, man. I don't know how any work got done. If you, I mean, if you care about college football, I mean, I'm sure there's people that listen to this podcast that, you know, maybe don't live it and breathe it like we do, but, you know, and I'm not, that's not a negative thing. Like you're a better person than us. Uh, No, you should live and breathe the sport. I'm sick and tired of explaining things to y'all, y'all people, the comment section is driving me insane. Well, that's what the pay eyes more, on pay, pay more attention to things. That's what the eyes on Oklahoma newsletter is for. It keeps you uh, up to date on everything that's going on in OU athletics. Five minutes or less, Monday and Friday, free newsletter. Subscribe eyesonoklahoma.com. I, I, I have I have people who come to me saying, "You're my news for Oklahoma." I was like, "Oh my god, what have I created? Oh what have no, I, what have I what have I done? Oh no." Well, I'm, I'm your source. <laughs> I'm glad that we can bring them this piece of content because. I don't think that there is necessarily a winner in this debate. I don't think anyone's oh, yeah. in the right. We're, we're the winners. The, fan, oh, the, the fans, yes, yes. Us, we won today. Now, but, if you're talking about it between Saban and, and Fisher, to be determined, I guess. We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know really how anyone wins this situation. Like, there were people, obviously, and, you know, if you're an AM fan or you're an Alabama fan or, or a, you know, a, a reporter that, you know, covers the team, um, and I put that in air quotes because there's, you know, a few like 
clear homers on those beats. And if you know, you know. I mean, like gas prices are astronomical right now. If you would just like trip off, if you would just clip off that mullet on Billy Liucci's back of his head, you I mean you could like drop prices immediately. But I think the, the the amount of people that were just like, oh, Jimbo's clearly in the right here. And I'm like, is he though? Is Jimbo in the right? Because Jimbo here's the thing, the right. Sean. Here's the thing that like really gets me. And I, I this isn't a novel idea on my part. I see, I've seen a lot of people talk about this, but Jimbo brings up the fact that go to, or he, he's like, go dig into Nick Saban's past, go see what you find, go talk to the assistants that have worked with him. You mean, you mean like you, Jim? You're an assistant that worked with him. I don't know. Maybe this is the platform. And, you know, I, I understand, like, because, like, you know, uh, Ross so- York. He so badly wanted to, because he stopped himself <laughs> at one point. He was about to, like, no, I won't say anything. He's so bad. You he, he know, he's got a story or two in the back of his mind. Is like, you know what? I'm going to just. He, it, he it, would wanted not, to... it would not <laughs> but, help Texas A&M because like Ross Bjork, uh, the Texas A&M athletic director is like put put out to SI that like he he's going to explore like what violations Alabama may or may not have committed, you know, you know, breaking the sportsmanship policy. Ow, my wrist. You slapped <laughs> it. It just reminds oh, me of that. It reminds me of the scene in the social network where the Winklevoss twins go to the like president's office at Harvard and is like, Hey, this nerd like stole our idea. What are you going to do about it? It's just like, get a new idea. I don't know. <laughs> you lost. It's business kid. See, here's the thing. If I was Jimbo Fisher in that situation, because despite Jimbo Fisher having the right to be angry, you know, the, the right to like saying, who the hell do you think you are? A boss move would have been call the press conference and have a notable booster or someone said, we like to uh, uh, formally announce a new gift to the program, some sort of like NIL to we are going, we are very proud of this and just, just, just double down on how much you love NIL and how it's working to make it, you know, something like that. Maybe you had something like you were going to announce in a week or two, but you know what, maybe we can announce it now. That would have been the bigger boss move where it's like, where he just like lays his nuts on the table even more so and said, yeah, but no, he just, Jimbo came off at like a scared little child almost. Like, you know, he had the body language. He was like crossing his arms and he was just like, you know, that Nick Saban, he does this and that is like, because granted A&M did beat Bama last year, but they were eight and four. So he he came off a little like, it's like we talk about who's the winner in all this. It's like he had an opportunity to either ignore it or if he wanted to pull a Spurrier type move, just like double down and just like, you know, egg him on even more, but no, like no one really came out looking great in all of this at the end of the day. But uh, but once again, this is but this is like this isn't the first time he's done this. Like when after the national signing day, when he was like, Hey, you know, you got like seven five stars. That's a I mean, it's a little odd considering your AM where you average like maybe one or two at your peak over the past couple of years. And then he once again, someone brought up sliced bread once again and it it just like makes me so like we're referencing random people on message boards about talking about how much money these nil collectives are like 30 million dollars worth and it just makes me like the the, the next big step is if someone says 
it was talked about in a Discord server of what was going down with AM. If we get to that point, for those who don't know what a Discord server is, I don't, I don't think we're that far. We're I, getting I close to it, Joe. We're I don't think close. we're that far because here's the thing. And I think that college football does this very often and does it well. It reminds us in a way, and I don't mean this, you know, I'm not joking when I say this. College football coaches easily remind us they are just like us. Like they are just humans. They are not these celebrities that we kind of make them out to be. And I say this because like these coaches are, are paranoid people. You know, they, 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 they read, they read a lot of stuff online as much as they talk about, you know, like we don't pay attention to that kind of thing. They do. They, they pay attention to well, we a just lot. dealt with the most paranoid coach in OU history this past year. So but like the, the thing about college football is it, and what's great about it. I mean, it's the best sport in the world just can't convince me otherwise very biased but can't convince me otherwise but you live in a world where jimbo fisher references an anonymous message board user like sliced bread if you don't understand that context also probably your life is better off for it 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 is but like byu put out a graphic claiming like top 10 like environment in college football via big game boomers rankings on the official BYU football Twitter account, they referenced an OU fan who has made a living off of sharing sh- spreadsheets of rankings that aren't scientific, but they're just his thoughts. And people have taken them and just, I, they're just I'm gonna, the, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say, I hate that account so much. I really I love do. It. I hope, I hope he never de or he or she never deactivates that account because it's, it's the best I, I hate it so much and i know i'm gonna get i hate it so much well big game <laughs> boomer you've got a friend in me you've got a huge friend because the amount of people and i would assume he probably gets a he or she gets i don't know the, the person but like i'm assuming that they get a huge kick out of the amount of, it's like zach evans is not uh he is definitely a top 15 running back in the country it's just like why are you so pressed about big game boomers running back rankings in the middle of April? <laughs> Calm down. That's what I hate about it. It's like, why are you sending this to me? Like it's like Phil Steele's opinion or something. Now, like yeah. If, if that's the thing is like uh, among like the flurry of off season ranking and preview content, if Phil Steele has something that I'm like, Oh, I don't know about that. But generally his takes are pretty lukewarm. Like, there's nothing about what Phil Steele does that is just like he is not going for, you know, quote unquote, click clickbait. He's not trying to, you know, get you to buy his magazine for the shock value of it. He actually does his research as opposed to a lot of people in the national media. No offense. Ooh. But <laughs> but it's just we live in this this world where, you know, in the take economy, you, you got to have the most outlandish take and. I appreciate Phil Steele for that. And I appreciate someone like Big Game Boomer tapping into the college football fan psyche that cannot endure any type of negative comments about their favorite team. Just sensitive snowflake, just biggest crybabies on the face oh, of the planet. Oh, no, it's not negative context or whatever. It's just like, wait, you picked you ranked that person there because why that's usually work. It's not because it's not because like someone is like, it's like, but there are people that take it seriously though. I know. And that's why it drives me insane. 
but <laughs> regardless back to back to just i mean i i have wanted to talk about nil more on this podcast because i haven't really uh addressed some of the things that have kind of been going on with nil i mean oklahoma and it's you know collective led by barry switzer i haven't really touched much on but well you I will mean, learn very quickly that uh it is a subject of uh if the, the older generation hates it. They hate it with a passion whenever it's brought up. They think it's going to destroy the sport. And you I just and the, keep... you and the older generation. Yeah, yeah, yes, you, me and the older generation. And uh, just the fact that um, I, and I always I always have to say you do realize it's just everything isn't hasn't changed. It's just all out in the open now. Yeah, and like they're. That's- that is the weird thing about college football and like there are people you would think like did you just start watching college football a week ago like this stuff has been just happening in different mediums like we're just it's in a different vehicle it's the same stuff it's kind of like taco bell like exclusive items it's pretty much all the same it's just like how they present it is just a little bit different i mean i'll 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 go back to remember jacob phillips with lsu yeah was committed to oklahoma and then all of a sudden the last moment wasn't committed to oklahoma went to lsu and it'd be great if we got to a point in society where we could just be like yeah lsu paid him more but like it's just kind of like a wink wink situation that like a it makes the jobs and i just speak from experience as like a newspaper beat writer that you really can't put in newspaper print because you know it it's in print and <laughs> people are going to read it it's not you know behind and i'm not disparaging like you know rivals or 247 sports but it's a lot easier to put it behind a paywall and put out that information that like yeah like there was some stuff that went on and you can kind of address it that way but we live in this world now with, you know, NIL collectives that are gonna possibly, maybe, I don't know, get cracked. Like the NCAA is going to crack down on them. No, they're not. I, 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 I don't believe that for a second. The the people that like really thought like, and you know, it's, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of anyone, but like the people who are like, Oh, well, sorry, Texas. Like Texas is still going to overpay for freshman offensive linemen that may or may not pan out, which I think Oklahoma fans should probably know that like freshman offensive linemen don't always work out. Um, or offensive least, you know, linemen at Texas don't always pan out. Have you seen their record over the past te- 10 years or so? They don't put linemen in the league. Well, and I mean, this is like, I think the second week I've said this on this pod, like go for some defensive players. I don't know. Offense really hasn't been an issue for Texas. Like they can score like Tom Herman and, and, you know, Steve Sarkeesian. I don't think anyone questions their offensive, you know, uh, pedigree, I guess. Uh, but it just like, maybe, maybe go get a defensive end. I, I maybe, maybe I just, well, that, just they, throwing they tr- it out there, but, but they, they tried, but, uh, uh, he went somewhere else. Like you, he, he like, they're trying to get the guy from TCU, but I think he went to like Nebraska instead or something like that. It's like, you got beat by Nebraska for a guy that you supposedly desperately needed. Like this guy's on his way. Oh, he's not on his way. We don't have any playmakers on defense this year so allegedly according to a certain someone yeah but uh this this whole just the whole i i feel like we we've been talking about nil for a year and i i've heard this brought up quite a bit by just kind of like uh especially if you listen to split zone duo solid verbal like all the all the all the big you know kind of national college football podcasts like it's kind of nuts we're still really fully engaged with nil discourse like a year later maybe it's not too crazy but like i mean we cannot shake it we cannot shake it as a college football community well i i think the i think the one thing that's uh i don't want to say shocked me but it's just we all assumed, I think a lot of us collectively assumed that, okay, no one's good. 
only a handful of like star players could potentially make this amount of money. And then you're hearing like Quinn Ewers is supposedly made three, three million without even taking a snap. So the, the amount of money people are willing to spend for big time blue chip guys or just getting guys who are established in the programs to potentially just hop in that portal and come out West or come out East or whatever. Uh, I think we slightly underestimated that just, just, just a tad uh, because, you know, the term it's the wild, wild West has been thrown out there multiple times. I've used it and that, that's kind of what it is right now. Uh, I, I do think there does need to be some sort of regulation who's supposed to enforce this. I don't know. It's not going to be the NCAA because I just think they're on borrowed time. And, you know, this is like a deeper topic we could get into another day but you know we we've talked about for years of like super leagues and you know every the football powers breaking away from the ncaa and doing their own thing and i think we're eventually getting to that and maybe they can get together as like because with the whole jordan addison thing that i alluded to earlier it's like uh you know power five programs don't like it when their star players get poached from other power five programs and I know Xavier Worthy was supposedly like on the on on the danger zone of potentially getting poached by you know who out west, and it, it's just at some point it's like who has to be wronged the most? Who 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 is it going to take? Who who has to be wrong before someone goes okay? There needs to be some sort of regulation. We need to have some rules about this because if you get a hotshot freshman who turns out to be a star. Uh, you don't want him just to be on the free market just like that because your time in college is limited because I get arguments like, don't you free player movement, all this? Yes, I do. When they get to the pros, because if you have, if you're in the pros and you're good enough, you can have a 10 to 15 year career. You're in college for three years minimum. And if you're good enough, you're gone. So for Jordan Addison, it's like, if you're pit and you're in your, uh, who's a uh, got a, Darn Arduzzi is the coach, I think. Um, I probably just butchered his name. But the point of the matter is, it's like he went through an entire spring practice, an off-season conditioning, and then he gets to May, and then he's gone. So he was part of your plans. He was built into your plans, your off-season plans, and then you lose him. So that that's the thing they have to, they have to look into and try to see if they can fix. I think that there possible. definitely could be more regulation of how, like, what is allowed and what isn't like, I think that they're going to have to put, you know, pen to paper and outline what a collective can and cannot do because in this model, like you said, wild, wild West, there's just not a lot of oversight. And as far as just like enforcing it, I mean, the NCAA is just kind of feels like, you know, they, they feel like they, they feel like that coworker you have that put in their two weeks notice. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, sure. You don't have to have a conference championship game. You don't have to have divisions. We don't, who cares? Oh, we can like, talk about that. <laughs> but we can. Um, but you know, I'm 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 very much for player movement. I, I think it's just kind of one of those things where I've always been like, you know, if you're just a regular college student, you can go wherever you want without, you know, having to. I mean, you have to obviously clear some things as far as like transcripts go, but like you can mostly go wherever you want to go. I understand college football is a different beast, and there is just like obligation that like you kind of sign up for with like your letter of intent. I understand there's a lot of nuance to it, but some regulation. Sure. I think there needs to be some, you know, oversight going forward. I don't think that Jimbo Fisher 
and Nick Saban are wrong in terms of, you know, what this, and I guess Jimbo's not really want the one like carrying the banner that like, we need to fix this. This is not sustainable. Oh, it's working sure, great for him. Are you kidding me? I was going to say like Jimbo, like Jimbo was just like, no, we're, we're, we're good. We can, we, we can Gabe doing this Dindy, Gabe Dindy literally fell in his lap because of a certain coaching change uh, last year. So, you know, so, he, things are going great for him right now. And that's the thing. And I mean, it, it is kind of, I, I will say like, I mean, I don't think that Nick Saban really like, there's a lot of people that are like, he looks weak, you know, doing this, like <laughs> Jimbo Fisher saying it's despicable that we're talking about this. I'm just like, come on, man, let's, let's settle down now. But like, I mean, Nick Saban, Nick Saban is one, uh, one of the coaches that when, you know, transfer portal came about, I think he was pretty active. Just like you, you really want to give me the power to just kind of like have like a, a menu basically like of like inventory that I can like add to my, please, you, you, you want them to not sit out a year anymore. Gladly come on down to Tuscaloosa. He is a coach that for, you know, how old and how old he is now at this point, he still has managed to adapt where a lot of coaches, his age just don't evolve with the game. And that's what has made him the greatest college football coach of all time. But in this instance, like, yeah, like he, he needs something needs to change with NIL uh, for, for Alabama to kind of continue what they're doing because right now where they are, not that they're in a bad place. They just, you know, played for a national title. They lost to, to Georgia, but like, you know, they're a little bit more, their, their hands are a little bit more tied. I'm sure that like, yeah, Nick Saban just wants the rules to change to bend in his favor. And the, the whole, like, kind of like, you know, people talk about like, you know, Nick Saban mentions parody and whatnot, which I get a, that, that's where I kind of start howling, like laughing out loud, just like, buddy, you're the reason we don't have parody. Like, <laughs> or you are, pe- bro, people are sick and tired of seeing you every year. You, you are Tim <laughs> Robinson in a hot dog suit. Like we're all trying to find the guy who did this. Like that is Nick Saban <laughs> when he's talking about parody, but at the same time, every college football coach, we've talked about the paranoia. I mean, they, they are, you know, a lot of them are control freaks. And I mean, you, you, you have the autonomy over a multi-million dollar business that, you know, NFL coaches, some NFL coaches don't have that the, the, there is a, there is a sense of control and, you know, Nick Saban, as long as he's been doing this, I get it. He's just trying to make his job easier. And he, he's at a point where he can kind of say whatever he wants. And I mean, he got blowback obviously from, from Jimbo Fisher. He, you know, got it from Deion Sanders, who I don't know. He might be speaking right now as we're recording this pod. Uh, the kid well, that signed with Jackson state even put out just like, yeah, I got a million. I guess that's why my mother's living in a three bedroom with five kids. Like he got some backlash, but I still think that like in the end of the day, that this is not going to affect Nick Saban's reputation and kind of the college football universe. Well, I mean, Nick Saban's also the guy who abused the hell out of the gray shirt rule in his uh, early time at Alabama. He would oversign classes and then like whichever guys didn't like uh, work out at the end of the day, he would send them to Juco with maybe if you get good enough at your Juco, I'll bring it back. I mean, that that's kind of, I mean, it's technically the a rule that was allowed within the SEC, but it was like a scumbag type of thing to do to you know bring guys into bama and you know he would trim the fat that way he's like i'm just gonna sign 28 29 or 30 and then i can if i gotta drop five guys i'll trim the fat send them to you know last chance you send them down to triple a (laughs) yeah exactly pretty much and it was like uh 
And I think they, they, they finally closed that loophole, got rid of that rule, but that's how he was able to build a roster that had, that would sometimes went two or three deep. Like, just go look at that 2010 roster and just look at the, th- the two and three deep. They didn't even win a national title that year, but just the names from like the, the carryover from that 09 team to the guys who would be big parts of that 11 and 12 back to back. Like it was a monster roster just by names alone. And he was able to do that. Like part of partly by like, gray shirting a lot of guys and he was able to trim the fat and like you know keep that superstar level and you know another thing that gets brought up is like him you know screaming about stuff like he did last night he screamed about spread offenses and up tempo stuff and how it was a pain in the ass for him it's like well nick had two choices either retire and go off gracefully into the night or he adapted which he did and Alabama having big time quarterbacks almost seemed unfair once he started getting guys like to Bryce young, but you know, n- now they have high powered offenses, whether it was, you know, Lane Kiffin being a part of it or Sark or wh- whomever, you know, Alabama now has high power passing offenses now and big time. It's it's either them or Ohio state or wide receiver. You at this point, like p- pick your poison. So What's funny is like, I-, I feel like kids today, don't appreciate the evolution of Alabama's offense because that was the one thing that if you got into a game with Alabama like 10 years ago, just like, well, the quarterback play is just not that good. Nick Saban never, like before really, you know, Jalen Hurts was good, but then like Tua kind of took it to another level. Like it's very recent, like how like Nick Saban's kind of finally caught up with offenses, but his defenses were just always good enough to, you know, win championships yeah you could run the football you could run derrick henry 50 times to win the iron bowl and you can still win a national championship so but uh yeah they're winning highs quarterbacks are winning heismans at bama now so you better watch out the the thing that like you you know we're we're pretty much set i think for the next few months as far as off-season content goes the build-up to october 8th between texas a&m and alabama in tuscaloosa mind you will be phenomenal, which I do want to bring up and kind of bring OU back into this conversation because it's the same day as OU Texas. There's I mean, a lot I, of a lot of good they, games that day. They, they've been sharing that day. This, usually Bama and AM have usually played the same day as OU Texas. Seems recently. I think, no, I think was, you're right. I think you're I right. I think last year was also the same thing as well. It was like, wow, what a back-to-back. It's so um, you have... That was a great day in college football. Yeah, I mean, you have... I mean, OU Texas has been consistently the one of the best football games year in and year out. Like, regardless of OU winning most of them in the Cotton Bowl, it's been a one-score game every year since 2014. But I mean, that that slate, man, it's just going to be. I put it out on Twitter, but like, you've got some. I mean, OU Texas is probably your 11 a.m. game. I mean, we found out uh, this week that. Texas Alabama would be on Fox, which then I was just like, well, probably going to be OU Texas on ABC. And then they confirmed that, that mm-hmm. that game will be on ABC, um, which will probably be an 11 a.m. kick. I would imagine. I don't think that's going to get like the two thirty designation. The, the only way it gets a two thirty designation is that if Texas miracles a win over Alabama and both teams are undefeated. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I don't foresee that, but man, it's going to be a great day. I mean, Ohio state's at Michigan state, uh, you've got Notre Dame and BYU in Las Vegas, Utah, UCLA, 
um, North Carolina, Miami, Auburn, Georgia, which I just kind of threw in there just because I think that could be a man. I'm, I'm still not used to Auburn, Georgia being that early in the year. It's yeah. I'm always used to it to being like a November game, but I know they moved, they, they, they moved it up because I, I guess Georgia or Auburn was Auburn was tired of playing Georgia and Alabama so close to each other late in the year. So, uh, they're trying to figure out schedules. I mean, you know what? What's funny is that Saban and Jimbo are going to be in the same room for like the meetings in Destin for SEC is coming up very soon. So yeah. all those coaches are going to be in the room together, like all fourteen. So you know, wonder how Josh Heupel feels about all this and Harson, and then you got uh, <laughs> you got Beamer, you got Shane Beamer there. He's just like I'm. It's like they cut the tension with a knife. It's all them sitting around, just kind of like staring at each other you know i feel like cordial. like lane kiffin will be like the kid in class that like tries to instigate stuff just you know he he, he will be the one that tries to to get them to he uh, reaches around and flicks the ear and it's like you know, you know it turns out it, you know, he did it not me but uh i mean i mean the, yeah it's funny you brought up josh heupel because i was trying to think today like what like for 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 people that may you know may not know like Jimbo his uh, Jimbo Fisher's history uh he was an assistant for Nick Saban at LSU n- never at Alabama correct not he was a head coach it, by no, the time no he no and Jimbo was at FSU for a while and yeah because he was at he, Jimbo was a part of his LSU staff that that beat Oklahoma in 2003 and then Saban obviously later on goes to Miami and I, I think that's the end of their kind of run but it made me think that just like you know what's kind of the Oklahoma comparison but like and I think the best example probably would be would be is just like imagine Josh Heupel like and he's kind of done this a little bit but not to the extent of Saban and Fisher like imagine if Josh Heupel today was you know going after like Bob Stoops or something like that just like you're just like you want to you want to know a little bit about you know Bob go 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 dig up some stuff on Bob <laughs> Stoops you don't think you'll like what you find out about about old Bob which you'll he'll, you'll find out that Bob hated social media and had to be dragged <laughs> kicking and screaming to like use it before he ended his tenure in Norman but it's it, it's just nuts that like I mean because you could tell and part of me thinks that we got this type of reaction out of Jimbo Fisher because I think that his relationship with Saban is obviously tarnished now a little bit by this, but I think a little bit too. I mean, it's kind of like things cut deeper when they come from someone you either, you know, worked with or maybe even consider friends. And I don't know if they consider each other friends, probably they they were not anymore, (laughs) probably not today, but I mean, you can tell like, you could tell how her, I mean, you, you said like, he kind of like, you know, kind of ball, you know, balled up and was just kind of, you know, you know, kind of seemed like a kid who just got put in timeout and was aggravated by it. But like, you could tell how much that hurt him because I, I, and as much as like, you know, let's, let's be honest, college football coaches are liars. They, for the most part, they are liars. (laughs) No, but, and this whole, some of them tell the truth and say, I'm not going to be the head coach at LSU. And they're telling the truth. That 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 probably, man. It, there there have been some great like, uh, we get pretty good content at, at, out of college football, but this past year has been an all timer as far as stuff we've kind of unearthed. I yeah, like from like late July onward, uh, for me was just insane. So, oh, just random. By the way, oh, you Texas joined the SEC. Yeah, the, an article like that, an, an hour and a half later, media day. Oh no, this is real. 
that was kind of like the reaction for like the next ten, eight to 10 days. And, uh, but yeah, I think only that last year trumps in my opinion, what, what's going on today. Like, like, Oh, you Texas joined the sec is like the biggest story in like a decade, but this right here is just, I can't even begin to like, it, it ranks up there. It's like, it's gotta be number one. And we talked about Gundy. Um, God, uh, God, who, uh, was it Dan Hawkins, the Colorado coach who lost his mind? The, you know, the, the the parents sent the letter about being mad. They're only get two weeks off. Of it. And he goes, it's Division One football. It's the Big 12. It ain't here, murals. Like, that was a great one. Because it just came out. It was slowly building, and it just went boom out of nowhere. Just screamed at people. Sometimes I wonder in those, like, news conferences, like, what goes through the coach's mind? Like, how much how much of it is premeditated because like Jimbo unloaded the clip on, on Saban, like, you know, the, the, the czar comment, the God comment. And he slept on this. He knew about this the night before. So it's yeah. not like it was like, could you, I, I can only imagine how, 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 how many pieces of broken furniture were in his home last night is what I want to know. It's, uh, I would, if the over under is like at 0.5, I'm definitely taking the, like some stuff was broken. Um, but the, I mean, the, the, the comment about like, you know, like my father told me, like, if you're, if you're dishonest or something like you, you, you get slapped and like, m- maybe someone should have slapped Sab- Saban when he was younger. And I was just like, man, <laughs> like he's, he is not, like, this is a not okay human right now. <laughs> like he is, I, he is I, not doing well. I want to re. I want to do a remix with uh, NWA, like uh, No Vaseline, with the way he went. And I think uh, if only we could get like diss tracks from college football coaches. Although I think this is honestly better. Like this is un- unfiltered. Like two like Southern like you know coaches that are from Southern schools. Like I know that like Saban's like a like a West. Is he from West Virginia? Yeah, I think they're both. They're both West Virginia guys. Oh well, I think both of them are actually. I mean, they embody like the the culture like. Uh, obviously i mean you have to when you coach at places like texas a&m and alabama but man it's just like it's just one of those things like i said at the top like it's not that crazy because college football is a chaotic bizarre thing that we all consume but man was this just a a it's been a fun 24 hours and i i I know it's not over like oh no saban is was as of 20 minutes ago was talking on is was supposed to do an interview on ESPNU radio or something like that. So I'm sure we'll be hearing more fairly shortly, but my question was Saban. He's, he's what 70 right now. He's 70. And you know, we, uh, whenever he like complains about something, he either usually adapts, but it, could this finally be the thing where he's like, I got like six, seven rings. I got a lake house. I can go sit down and watch the duck shit in the yard. Like he said in that one, like, like when, <laughs> he got, uh, not him, but like one of his players had an impression of him that one time is I'll just go down and sit down, watch the duck shit in the yard. Is it time for him to do that at this point? I mean, he can still coach. I mean, he's still got the fire, but it feels like maybe this is like the beginning of the end. Maybe like finally the dynasty is about to finally come to a close famous last words i i know like i'm not <laughs> listen i'm not hope listen i want to be I, I i would say this i cannot wait for ou to get into this conference i want i cannot wait to be part of the media days where it's like a more where we're just kind of waiting we're we're in the airport we're in the terminal we're waiting to board 
and you know there's flight delays you know we're hearing 2025 or we're hoping maybe it's 24 for whatever reason i just i i I want to be part of the daily conversation and I, and I love making jokes, you know, as a representative of the Oklahoma fan base and a longtime sec member, uh, it is, I feel it's my duty to chime in whenever there's family problems within, it just means more the, the greatest conference on the planet. I mean, the, the, the content is way better and like no disrespect to the big 12, but like, no, Big 12 media days is kind of boring. We get one game a year where we're like, yeah, it's like for, for national reasons, it's like OU Texas, the big national game. And let's be honest, no one cares about Bedlam outside of the state of Oklahoma. They just don't. I mean, if it's a ranked matchup that has some implications, sure. They cared last year. Yeah, it did. It totally did last year. But for the most part, Bedlam, it's an ins. It's like Michigan, Michigan State. No one cares about it outside the state of Michigan. It's kind of like, like just like you're flipping through the chain. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's been primetime a lot recently, but just like, it's kind of like you're flipping through the chat. I was like, oh, that, that's a good rivalry game. I'll stick around for a little bit, see if anything happens. But, yeah. you know, it's a the Big 12 is uh, for what it is like. And I think it's probably you're in a more prosper, uh, prosperous uh, position as like an Oklahoma or Texas uh fan because most of the stuff kind of runs through you like most of the drama most of the discourse like you know is is mostly kind of directly related to you two and so like it i mean that that part of it is good if you're a fan of those teams or follow those two teams but the big 12 just does not compare to the batshit crazy nature of the sec stephen godfrey was uh, put out something just about like he, he, laughing at like OU Texas like on the verge of like joining this insane conference and I don't think it's like anything crazy for like it's not like Oklahoma and Texas haven't dealt with crazy Texas A&M before like, yeah it's like like OU like I mean granted like OU was kind of like an unofficial Southwest Conference member when you really think about it, they were in the big eight back in the day when it was OU Nebraska, but they were, they were fighting tooth and nail with all those other schools for big time recruits. Barry Switzer was always going head to head with like all the, all, all with Texas and Texas A&M and then SMU when they were kind of like emerging in the eighties a little bit, when they were doing their little NIL deals under the table, if you know what I mean? So, uh, so it's nothing new to us when it comes to dealing with the crazies, especially the state of Texas. So I, I, I look forward to it. Like, and everyone's talking about like, you know, divisions are going because the Pac-12, they could not wait to get rid of divisions. They were ready to go. They, were they had done. that in drafts. They had yeah, that in the, drafts. The minute the NCAA announced that you did not have to have, you know, divisions, they were just like, yep, we're getting rid of it. And they even put the, the crazy thing about that, Sean, I don't know if you clicked on the pre- press release. They even included what the Pac-12 championship game would yep. have looked like over the last 10. Like, that is nuts. That the conference itself, that, that that's like an SB Nation blog. Like, what would the conference championship game look like if there was no divisions? Like, because they they keep missing the playoff. They keep missing the playoff. So that's why they're doing it. It's like, hey, this we would have gotten in the playoff this year. A team in there if it was this game. Like, if you had like an Apple Cup rematch or something like that. You know, Washington Washington State one year. Uh, if you had more like Stanford versus Utah or whatever, or something along those lines, but, or Oregon and Stanford again, or something like that. But yeah, I totally get that because it's all about trying to get into the college football playoff. And I think divisions are going away. Like, you know, it'll be the demise of the big 10 West, which is, which will do us all a favor, you know, Wisconsin and Iowa just losing to Ohio state or, or Michigan state or whoever ends up in the East. But, um, yeah, I, I I know SEC fans are like all 
upset about the the possibility of like the west and east going away and pods scare people because what's a pod like who's gonna be in the pod it doesn't really matter that much if it's all like when you look at the standings it's gonna be all 16 teams in one deal it's not you're not gonna have individual records for pods or like for divisions and whatnot so but if you're an OU fan you know Texas is gonna be in yours and in a perfect world, you'd like to have the Aggies in Arkansas. At least that's how I see it. I think I that would say, be. I, I was going to ask you, like, what is your preference on the pods? If that is how it works out. That that, that those are that's that that's my pod that I want. I want Texas A and M, and I want Arkansas. I want a little Southwest Conference type of little pod where we just have, we, you know, we have the craziness in Arkansas, we have the craziness in A and M, and we have our orange blood orange blood uh, rival with texas i think that's perfect but you know there's also rumors that the aggies don't not wanting to be in the same pot as texas which is absurd to me so and uh, i think it, i would think it would be funny if uh the the sec kind of put ou texas a&m texas and missouri in their own pod just because the former like big 12 schools just like you I mean, that works at, too. That works too because you, I know you, Arkansas. You go sit got, at your kid's table, like you're SEC, but like you go <laughs> sit at your table. Oh, is that how it is? No, but I know like Arkansas has got like the rivalry with LSU, and so that's important to them as well. So, and you know, there's always talk about like my favorite thing on Twitter or Fine Bomb is like whenever someone proposes, you know what they should do? Like it's an original idea. They should move. Auburn and Alabama it's the east and Missouri to the west and everything just works I always love it when people bring it up like it's an original idea it's like yeah well, we know geographical yeah you, you, you line things a lot better yeah we understand yeah we get that like everyone else is you and 80,000 other people have suggested that and who knows maybe they will do that but uh, you know, they have to move to at least nine conference games. I think they should do 10 because when they did 10 during the pandemic year, it was fantastic. I loved watching 10 conference SEC, uh, a 10 conference game SEC season. I don't know why you don't do that, but, you know, we have to have our garbage FCS body bag game in November, of course, because I think OU is going to start adapting that too, more than likely. I mean, that has been a big change with Oklahoma's scheduling philosophy it started in recent years, but the addition of FCS schools is a fairly new development. Like, mm. not that, oh, not that, like, during the Bob Stoops era, there were zero. There we, had were a, we, we, had, we had a Chattanooga game in the 08 year. Chattanooga comes to mind. Uh, Florida AM, I think, in like 2010 or 20. And the whole reason we wanted to play them was because of the band. And then the band got suspended for the year for the hazing incident. So we didn't even get the band to come in. So that, I will say, Sean, uh, is if Texas A&M and OU make it into the same pod, which I would assume is likely, probably Poss- it's it's possible. I do miss seeing the Texas A&M band come to Norman. That is a good band for all that we clown on Texas A&M. And I'm, you know, you know, what I mean, I'm just I'm just a reporter. I'm just, a, I'm just. A oh writer. yeah, you're, you're, just you're, you're, you're just a I'm neutral. Just a bi- you're just an unbiased neutral I'm just bystander. An huh? I'm just an observer, I, and I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, in you, the, you don't have your diploma on this wall here. I see yeah. behind you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even. Uh, you don't even display it, dude. It's like in a drawer somewhere, probably. Or it's one of those things where I'm just like, it, like what is this real? Like, <laughs> like you, you want to give this to me, uh, but. Yeah, no, I uh, I do miss that about Texas A&M uh, coming to Norman every now and then, uh, which 
that them i mean I'm, I'm now i'm now i'm just kind of thinking about the pods and like what sec like i mean like the sec schools that could you know come to norman which hopefully with this new format will ensure that like oklahoma and georgia like two teams like that that would presumably under the old regime probably wouldn't see each other for like 15 years at a time oh we'll, we'll see them in norman in 23 the way things are yeah, set up i was gonna say like the the way that like things are going it's it's nuts like i mean old takes expose could not it's one of those things where it's just like everyone had the same take so you really it's just like you, are you gonna old takes expose everyone like everyone was pretty dead set oh you in texas would be gone you know by the honest i think most of the majority of people thought like yeah if not 2022 2023 for sure and this and this is that's not so much the case anymore and so it it does make me question like well what is what what happens with those games and obviously like you know texas is going to get to you know get alabama in austin this year for an 11 a.m kick which is just you know it's it's uh, I love seeing the reaction. Did you, did you see the change.org petition? It was so adorable. They, they, they thought they, they, they think Fox cares. Which like <laughs> the thing is, is and like I, I this might be unpopular. Like I don't mind the noon kickoff. I think it's a great time. And especially if you're at home, like the 11 a.m. kick, we, we, you know, 10 years ago, Sean, we're making jokes about like, if we can just get through like the Northwestern Purdue game at 11 a.m., we'll get to the good games at 2.30. Like, I think it's great that there are it's because we're sitting at home in air yeah. conditioning and the comfort of our own homes. It's but different it, it, when it's it, different it, when yeah. you're going to the, the blistering heat that is Austin, Texas or Norman, Oklahoma in September and having which, to sit through that. It's which, like, different. Te- I, I get like Texas and Oklahoma, like the, that first game of the year for Oklahoma, uh, the, the, I guess they're taking, they're, they're facing UTEP in week one and then it's 37 point favorite as a release today by the way yeah, give me the minors i'm gonna uh get them to cover now um, the last time we played them we were we played them on the road and that was like a that was a tough out actually to be fair <laughs> a late addition because of tcu west virginia joining the conference Yo, that was like a 10 30 eastern kick at it was night. late it was i was late. like my god <laughs> But like the, the the thing about like the the pay per view game that like probably the saving the one redeeming quality about like the pay per view game for OU was they could set the time and it was typically you know six p.m. and that was just good for everybody because it is hot as hell first like that last weekend of August or that first weekend of September like it is miserable absolutely miserable like it's every time like uh, you know every time August comes around someone from an Oklahoma newspaper newspaper will write an article about like how are high, how are high school and college football teams combating the heat that no one saw coming just like it's every year it's just like yeah they got to deal with heat global but, warming is real just I mean, go to Texas, a college football game in September but like Texas Alabama w- it would have been cool for prime time but I mean, it's just nice. It's awesome. We're gonna, we're all gonna wake up that day, and the first thing we get to see is Texas and Alabama. Now, who knows if it's gonna be a competitive football game? I have no clue. I mean, if you want to see someone murdered in their own home at like noon, <laughs> I mean, which is likely gonna happen. I mean, I watch uh, enough true crime docs, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I mean, if you think Quinn Ewers is your quarterback, Jesus, and will lead you to victory, you know, more power to you. Just don't be disappointed when it doesn't end up happening when you have no O-line and Bijan only gets like 58 yards because you can't open up any holes for him against that front seven of Alabama. So just just, just throwing it out there. 
Let's throw it out there. That it's, uh, I, I think most Texas fans know that it's like a little bit of a long shot that they're going to win that game. But um, it has some strong, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you disagree. It just kind of felt like 2016 OU and Ohio State. I think, you know, Oklahoma fans were optimistic about that game. I had a lot more hope that they would be more competitive than they were. I, it just, that thing kind of got ugly early. And then outside of a Joe Mixon kickoff return, that probably should have gotten called back because uh, he dropped it before he got in the end zone. Uh, but he got away with that. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a game that they probably should have, uh, you know, let Baker run a little more. Just uh, you know, a few things here and there, but uh, uh, they made it for it the next year. Uh, and we can talk about that game. Another Which is, game. I mean, the, the thing is, is that like, you know, I, we joke about Quinn Ewers and I, 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 I don't think that anyone is unfair in questioning his unprovenness. Like he, he doesn't have experience as a, you know, full-time starter at a major college football program. That is a completely fair thing to say. It will be interesting to see if Texas actually, I mean, if this is actually the year that they can kind of maybe take a step, because I don't think Texas is comp- the, the people that, you know, say that they're going to get to the playoff this year. I just think it's, it may, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but just like this season, like this. Oh, season, don't, don't worry. I've got receipts of people who say, oh, Texas, like, like this season, like not this uh, season. Let, let just like, let me see Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy. Bijan Robinson. Let me oh, we see know, that play well, out. The, the latter two, we, you know, listen, Worthy and Bijan can play. No one's denying that. Like anyone who says otherwise is just being a hater. I, I would be, you could just like roast me all day. No, those guys can play. It's just the fact that, you know, when, when Jeff Ketchum says they need at least two offensive linemen from this freshman group who are just now going to make it in, in a few weeks or in July or whatever, Oh, we need two of those guys to be, to play at freshman, all American level. You need two of them to be that good. Uh, you need to find some playmakers on defense. You need to find a pass rush um, and just coach better. <laughs> just coach better, you know, be better coaches. If we can get these 18 year old offensive linemen to be yeah. ready by week two to take on Alabama. Yeah. I think we'll be fine. I guess they'll, they'll just like will. I mean, uh, Will Anderson will not murder your quarterback. We promise. Honestly, if there's anyone that was upset about like Alabama and the amount of players that actually did come back for, well, I guess Will Anderson couldn't. He was a sophomore last year. Yeah, he, he was. A, trust me, if he was eligible, he'd be gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the amount of returning talent that Alabama has, I mean, they're going to be right back in the mix. I mean, like they're they're it, it's going to be late November, and Alabama's probably whether they have one loss or not, you got a Heisman quarterback, you got a Heisman quarterback and arguably the best player in the country on the other side of the football for you. So yeah, it's uh, I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll be good. That's just me. I think they'll be good. Um, Sean, uh, this was a lot of fun. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? It's been a little bit since we've uh, spoken. Ah, man, just uh, overall, just I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to getting out of this conference and uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, just Brent and, you know, our recruiting's picked up a little bit. It feels like it's gaining a little momentum. And uh, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing Brent coach as a head coach. And I know the list came out someone the, the other day, like listing the, like CBS put out their top 25 power five coaches and Brent wasn't on the list guys. I couldn't believe it. I mean, 
forget the fact he hasn't coached a game yet. Were, were there were there any first? I'm, I'm genuinely asking. Were there any first year coaches on that list? I don't think so. No. Okay. I, I didn't know. I think uh, I think the, the the close. I mean, not even first year, but like uh, Mel Tucker uh, was. I think I, I thought Mel Tucker was a little low considering what he's accomplished in two years at Michigan state, like Mel Tucker barely knew the names of his players during a pandemic off season and was able to beat Michigan in his second game. That was impressive. And then what he did the next year and nearly taking them to the playoff and almost having a Heisman winner and just, you know, I think, think mel tucker people say oh mel tucker is overpaid like you do realize what he accomplished and the what a garbage heap msu was a michigan state was considering all that happened with uh uh d'antonio and whatnot but that's like a whole different story but um other than that no it's um you know I, i'm i'm interested to, to see what uh how out west goes you know, because, uh, you know, we talk about Texas and playoff stuff and there's there's hype for for Riley out in USC. And, you know, he's got he, he's got the quarterback and he's got some uh, big transfers. But, man. That that defense is just like if you watch their spring game and they spotted the defense 21 points, there was a reason they did that, because it is awful. And, you know, Caleb and all that, they made up for it fairly quickly within like the first quarter of that spring game. So as impressive and flashy as that offense is going to be at times, that defense has got a lot of work to do. So I am actually, you know, taking away my hatred. I am curious to see what that looks like year one, but um, I mean, yeah. I think that, I think it's fair. I was going to say like, as much as like I I, I constantly see because I, I follow I follow quite a few like OU like fans a part of like the OU Twitter and I say this lovingly OU Twitter mob but you know the people that get in fights with like USC fans on a daily basis like I guess like the good thing I mean I'm I'll be watching regardless like but the great thing about I think being an Oklahoma fan uh, is you get to you, know, you get to follow OU but like now you have like your built-in late night viewing of whatever USC football is doing just because you're going to want to pay attention to it and I, I think that from just a completely non-OU perspective there is a lot of pressure on USC to be good this season they have 41 players that weren't on the team last year I'm looking forward to watching them play Utah I really am I mean, man, I, I was telling I was telling uh, Alyssa the other day. I was like, "We have, we do not have the disposable income for this, but I would just love to be at, at Utah because that that stadium for for what what you make a Pac-12 and like I think a lot of people have a negative perception of what the fan bases are like out west. No. Utah ain't one of them. No, Utah that Utah, Utah BYU game is legit. It's it gets rowdy. Yeah, rowdy that, rowdy for utah but it gets rowdy if you put that if you put the the holy war in the sec and just like say this is sec football you wouldn't think twice based on the fan reaction to that game it's War. i mean that that's and the the thing that um i believe that's october 15th because utah has ucla the week before which that's a too, tough to i mean i mean if you maybe I, I think that the kind of the book is kind of uh it's pretty mixed on like UCLA, I think kind of going into another year of Chip Kelly, but I think the Bruins can be decent. And I think that Utah is going to have a, I mean, that's a tough two week stretch of going from UCLA to USC. I, mean, I, I still think that they're the best team 
And you got Dan Lanning at Oregon. You got Dan Lanning at Oregon, who was on the short list to potentially be OU's next head coach, and um, he's already making his mark there. Um, he's already testing uh, Oklahoma's recruiting policy with getting Ashley <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, a, take a visit. So. Well, I, I mean, uh, the the wide receiver room that's currently that Oklahoma has right now has just kind of like, ooh, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, you have your established guys like, you know, Mims and Stoops and, and Theo, uh, but there's a lot of excitement with like guys like Joel Farouk and, uh, you know, the Gibson kid, the true freshman and just some of the transfers they brought in. So, I mean, Le- Lebby and, and Kale doing work on the recruiting trail offensively or in transfer uh, portal. Of the recent guys, I mean, I'm trying to think, it's been, it's been two over the last two receivers uh, over the last week, but any among those guys and among the freshmen, is there anyone that in particular like really excites you going into 2022? God, I think I think we're I think we're waiting to see Farouk, Jalil Farouk. Yeah, like, like I think he's the one that I think who's been there for a little bit. We got like a little sneak preak of the Alamo Bowl, which I put two percent stock into how that game went, and <laughs> it was it was just. I, I didn't want to be the Debbie Downer on that game because okay, Bob's coached the team. It's a it's a nice novelty and we need to feel good about ourselves. But I just I, I hate bowl games are so meaningless now outside of the playoff because everyone opts out. Anyone worth a damn opts out of these games. So if you're not in the playoff, it's like mm, no point in really caring. Like, you know, talking about Michigan State earlier, like, like uh, Kenneth Walker opted out and then you know, pit quarterback opted out too. So like the two prime players you want to watch play in that game, that peach bowl didn't play. Um, I mean, if, if, if it's any benefit, yeah, it's kind of like, a honestly, bowl games, I feel like can kind of become a showcase for guys that might hit the transfer portal because like Davis Baville, the bat, the now Oklahoma transfer, mm-hmm. uh, played a lot in that. Uh, I don't know if he went out, but yeah, he, I mean, but you know it's amazing we talk about we have not once mentioned booty we have not once mentioned general booty i was saving best for last but yeah (laughs) um i'm i'm excited for the for the general booty era of oklahoma football i i mean honestly man like screw you dylan gabriel move on over it's booty time it's it's, i want bubba sparks's uh booty 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 rocking everywhere to be playing on the loud uh pa speakers um if he ever does get into the game and oh, score a touchdown. N- oh next year you want to bring back his intro from game day from back in 03 or whatever yes <laughs> uh pitt lost 31 21 to michigan state yes i do think that beville or bevel or however you say it um not gonna put in too much time to learn this guy's some backup quarterback no, i'm just kidding um <laughs> 149 yards passing 14 of 18 not terrible one touchdown and one interception he was sacked five times. Well, yeah. Uh, Oof. I, I, I think the one thing I, I can take away is that the, the areas you were concerned about OU depth-wise about a month ago have been alleviated. You have quarterbacks. You have receivers now. So I, you, you go into this uh, offseason, like, I'm more convinced than ever that if Brent, you know, if certain guys stay healthy and they can, you know, avoid some early mistakes and bumps in the road i think they could be like a 10 and 2 team and compete for a big 12 championship i think that's a reasonable a very reasonable expectation 10 wins 10 and 2 would be a pretty quality and get to the big 12 title game 
maybe maybe you win, maybe you don't. I, I still think that Oklahoma, just kind of where the Big 12 is at right now, can still be the best team in the conference, even with everything that's happened with Oklahoma this offseason. Um, I, I think that they're in fine shape. Uh, I know that the Souter Scoop guys were talking on the unofficial 40 this week about the scholarship number. I believe they're they're, they're at right, 85 right yeah, now. They're, they're right at 85. Maybe one extra. Maybe the, I assume that might mean that some somebody might transfer out. I uh, don't know who that would be, but they uh, they have recovered well um, over the as we kind of I mean, the next big thing is like summer workouts and we're we're here like we're all like we're about to get into the doldrums of summer. But I mean, man, like December doesn't feel that long ago, but it also feels like an eternity ago. I'll tell you what, like that week where we didn't have a head coach was the longest week uh, I can remember of being an OU football fan. I was like, you don't have a head coach. Oh my God, what's going to happen with the program? It's like, does anyone want to be our coach anymore? Oh my God, is this it? And then like the most dramatic plane landing of all time. <laughs> it feels like yesterday, just watching, like I've never seen anything like that in my life with like, you know, the pomp and circumstance of welcoming in a new head coach. And it's like, our savior is here. He's come back home. Daddy's home now. Help us. That's what it felt like. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be a see-through reunion without Sean fake crying. I'm glad that we checked that <laughs> off of our bingo cards. Um, so. I, I've done lots of things uh, in the old podcast days. I, I think the, the one the one thing I go back to every once in a while, and I know it dr- I drove you insane. I, I my, my favorite fake crying moment ever was reading the article about the, the guy from Pennsylvania who was so upset that Baker was going to win, likely win the Heisman and not, um, um, oh God, who is the Penn State running back? Who's the, the Giants? So, Saquon Barkley. Say Saquon Barkley. He was just so upset that he was just like, what a tra- what a travesty it was that Saquon Barkley was not going to win the Heisman. <laughs> I just think those columns are funny because like, I mean, we the way that they get read, because like, I feel like you can read anything in like a dramatic voice and be like, you know, like, how pathetic is this guy? <laughs> but I just imagine like this, like looking back now, like, because, like, you know, when when you're writing daily for a newspaper, I mean, just I'm just going to put this out there. You sometimes mail in some stuff. <laughs> I just imagine this guy's like, ah, this will probably never get read. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, those are those are the days, so man. Tra- it was so tragic to say what Barley's in one nice. <laughs> oh man well sean uh i appreciate you for uh for clearing your schedule and doing this little emergency pot of sorts with me to talk about i mean it's just been a this is all i've been able to focus on today like i got work done today but this oh, is all don't, I've been able oh to don't worry on. i'm sure there'll be more this will last and to the next this is just next, the start y'all this is, this is just the beginning a war has is brewing at the southeastern conference we're nowhere near close to the end so buckle up it's going to be a fun ride, but right. Sean, uh, good talking with you, man. Good. Good to be here.